Greetings, and welcome to another episode of Theologically Driven, a podcast for those who want to know God through His Word and have that knowledge drive their decisions. This podcast is brought to you by Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary, a seminary devoted to exalting God by expounding His Word. You can learn more at dbts.edu. I'm Ben Edwards, Dean of Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary, and in this episode, we'll be discussing teaching evangelism. My guest this week is Peter Cushman, pastor of outreach here at Inner City Baptist Church. Peter, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. It's a privilege. Now, if we're going to be talking about teaching evangelism, it might be helpful to discuss what it is we're talking about. So, so what, what is evangelism? Yeah, great place to start. Um, the definition that has stuck with me the longest comes from Max Stiles. He says, teaching the gospel with the aim to persuade. Um, it's pithy. It's easy to remember. It's got some important elements there. So um, I guess as long as I've been intentionally reading evangelism books, that's the one that stuck with me the longest, the first that comes to mind. I also think it's helpful. Another framework in which to think is the um, path of Christianity explored. They focus on answering three questions. Who is Jesus? Why did he come? And what does it mean to follow him? And when I think of terms of evangelism, I think of just simply answering those three questions. Um, yeah, so those are some of my go-to answers for that basic question. Yeah, and so so it's not just uh, the good news about Jesus, it's also why it matters for you. Yes, the response, I think, is necessarily needs to be included. Yeah. So is there a need to even teach evangelism? I mean, aren't Christians people who believe the gospel and love the gospel and, and won't they just kind of naturally tell other people the gospel and want to see them believe? Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> wouldn't it be nice if, uh, the discipline of evangelism came naturally to all of us? It was just something we engage in something we love to do. I think as believers, each of us would admit that that's not the case, <laughs> that it is a discipline, that it's something that um, makes us uncomfortable, that it's something that is demanding, pushes us outside of our comfort zone, and therefore, you know, can be something we shy away from, something we need to be stirred up and encouraged, regularly exhorted to do. So, yes, I, I do think it's very important to regularly teach and model evangelism for pastors and church leaders. Yeah. And you might have some Christians that that perhaps it comes more naturally to than others. And yet there is a command for us to, to preach the gospel, to proclaim the good news. And so it's something that as, as pastors, you're trying to help people in your church grow and, and motivate them to do it. And then also hopefully help equip them to do that. Now, I might be kind of assuming wrongly that it is actually is the job of, of people in the church to, to do evangelism. Really, could you say instead the job should be people in the church just invite their unsaved friends or family members to the church and the pastor's the one who does the evangelizing or or a speaker at some kind of evangelistic event they're the ones who actually are are doing evangelism and it's just other job of normal christians just to invite people to those events yeah so as pastor of outreach i would say absolutely not <laughs> um it's our dying ambition to try to equip church members for evangelism, to see them regularly engage and excel in it and to take it up as their personal responsibility. Uh, several passages we could go to to see this responsibility for every believer in Scripture. Um, obviously, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, we believe this was given to disciples, not just the apostles, that their responsibility, the responsibility of 
followers of Jesus Christ in this age, as we wait for him to come, he said, I am with you to the end of the age, implying the command extends to that. Um, even beyond the time when the apostles passed off the scenes is to make disciples. And um, the first step is to proclaim the gospel, who Jesus is, what he did and why it matters for us. And so that's a passage that shows us it's every disciple's responsibility to evangelize. I also think it's really inspiring and challenging when you read through the book of Acts and you see the pattern for the spread of the gospel that um, after the first wave of persecution hits the first church in Jerusalem, we see in Acts 8, 4, that it is those who were scattered who preached the word. The apostles themselves, it seemed, remained in Jerusalem, shepherding that church, uh, proclaiming the gospel in Jerusalem to the Jews. But those who were scattered, Philip the evangelist being one of them, took the word with them where they went, and they took up the responsibility to share the gospel. And that's how the gospel spread Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Um, and then one other passage that comes to the forefront of my mind is Paul writing to the Philippians. Um, he charges them, um, whether he hears about them from prison or he's able to go visit, that they would be striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And I think what he's getting at there is they have responsibility for the advance of the gospel in Philippi, uh, even at personal cost, you know, him writing from prison, being imprisoned for the gospel. So I think in many places we see it is our, for each of us is our personal responsibility. Something that I think is really helpful. This one comes from Rico Tice, who does Christianity Explored. He's an evangelist in the UK. He has a book called Honest Evangelism, which is just a refreshing, straightforward charge to take up the responsibility for evangelism, even at personal cost. And he says something in there, we may not all be called to be Bible teachers, but we are all called to be Bible sharers. So people are definitely gifted differently and have varying degrees of responsibility in that sense. Uh, we do know that um, evangelists are certain gifts, potentially an office that Christ gave to the church, Ephesians chapter four. So some people are especially gifted in that way. Um, yet, though that is a special gift that only some possess, that does not eliminate the obligation for every disciple to be sharing the gospel. Um, so it's everyone's responsibility, every Christian. And so just as we'd say in the Great Commission, we all have responsibility. Some might be called to actually go to places where the gospel isn't to, to see new churches started. Others would be called to share the gospel where they are and support those who go out. And so not everyone has as central a role or, or maybe as prominent is probably a better way to put it of a role, but everyone has a, a responsibility in the spread of the gospel and a responsibility personally to, to share the gospel. So if, if that's what Christians are called to do, then is it the job of pastors just to motivate them to share the gospel or should they be teaching them how to do it? Is there a wrong way to share the gospel? Yeah, absolutely. I think it is the pastor's responsibility to equip God's people, to equip church members to share the gospel. Otherwise, I wouldn't have a job, so I'm thankful for that. Um, we do know, Ephesians chapter 4, that pastors are responsible to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, evangelism being part of that responsibility. Um, and this does mean that we need to be, you know, reg regularly teaching, training, modeling. 
yes, there are wrong ways of doing it. I think that was part of the question, right? Absolutely, there are um, pitfalls to avoid, I guess, off the top of my head, a few that come to mind. One would be presenting a felt needs gospel, which is a huge temptation for so many believers and um, exemplified in many gospel tracks, unfortunately. But, you know, a lot of gospel tracks begin with the line, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Um, or many people directly advocate trying to discern what a person's felt needs may be and then tailoring the gospel message to suit their felt needs. So does this person um, want to heal their marriage? Do they want a better family? Do they want help parenting? Do they want to be a successful person with a purpose-driven life? You need to try to figure out how the gospel will meet and supply that need and then package it and communicate it um, in such a way. And this, in a very dangerous way, shifts the focus of the gospel from Christ, his work, God-centered, God-honoring, to the person, and I mean, really therapy for the individual. So I think that's a trend that needs to be avoided. I think it's a dangerous shift in the emphasis. Um, Jesus doesn't necessarily promise to give us better marriages or happier homes. He promises to reconcile us to the Holy Creator. So that's one of them. And one of the dangers in that approach, too, is, is you might convince someone they're a Christian when they're not, because you think about the parable of the, the sower, the parable of the soils, in which you have seemingly initial response to the message of the gospel. And then when life becomes difficult, they, they fall away. And so if you say, hey, you want a better marriage, and then you don't end up having a better marriage, and then you don't follow Christ, but you now think, well, I'm a Christian. And so you've, you've almost inoculated people yes. from the gospel. Very misleading. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Any and, other thoughts on, on wrong ways to, yeah. to evangelize? Another danger that comes to mind is decisionalism and just um, looking for decisions. And I think that is especially dangerous in the area of evangelism. Um, of course, we want people to be rescued from hell, saved from eternal condemnation and judgment. And sometimes we feel that pressure to a degree that we think we can somehow cause a person to cross the line of decision. And we think that it's within the purview of evangelism to aim at that. You know, somehow we have to get them to cross that line of decision to become saved. And um, we can fall into the trap of measuring success in evangelism accordingly. And uh, so it's just really easy to go for decisions yet you know, if we know theology and we understand depravity, we know there is nothing we can do to actually procure a decision to actually effectually convert somebody. Uh, but many evangelism, um, the, the training material and the techniques that are encouraged aim for that decision when in fact that's, that's outside of our purview. That's God's side of the equation. And it's almost an example in which you, you have like sales techniques functionally coming into play of how do you get someone to sign on the bottom line? And, and that's the same way we're going to approach evangelism. But, but the, I think part of the tension is we start at the very beginning. What is evangelism? It's presenting the gospel with an aim to persuade. And so you are wanting them to 
choose to follow Christ. You're wanting them to, you know, make a decision in, in some sense. So how, how do you, is there a yes. way to balance those, yes. those competing uh, concerns? I, mean, I, do, I do think we see that in Paul. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. We are regularly told in Acts that he is reasoning with people, that he is pleading with people. All the while, you know, he understood depravity better than anyone else. He knew that people were dead in trespasses and sins. And he told Timothy in 2 Timothy um, that Timothy was supposed to correct his opponents with gentleness and respect that God may perhaps grant them the knowledge of the truth. Um, he knew that saving faith is a gift of God. So he could persuade and plead. Uh, I think of towards the end of the book of Acts, I think he's before Agrippa. And uh, he's pleading with him to believe the gospel, giving public testimony of the gospel before rulers, very influential and powerful kings. He pleads with them very straightforwardly, yet he knew that only if Christ opened their eyes could they turn to him. And he didn't lose heart in his ministry, 2 Corinthians 4, because he knew the God of this age had blinded the minds of the unbelieving. So he held both intention. He pleaded, he tried to reason, he persuaded, he tried to show that Christ was the fulfillment of Old Testament scripture all the while acknowledging it's just the power of God that's going to convert people through the word. So there is a, there is a tension there. And I mean, I don't, I don't think that that means that we just don't actually try to convince. I think we need to try to convince with really good, solid reasons and with passion, all the while recognizing we can't seal the deal. Yeah. And it's not always clear. I think generally we have a good sense of whether we are urgently inviting and appealing and, and entreating or we are manipulating to get a result. Absolutely. And that's, that's you want to avoid the, the manipulation to get a result, but you don't want to give up the urgent pleading and Absolutely. invitation. Absolutely. And I think, um, I guess maybe if I could just give an example, I think we cross that line when we put people on the spot. I think putting people on the spot um, leads us down the path of manipulation, I guess, if I could say it that way, um, rather than you know making an appeal, an impassioned appeal for someone to turn and trust Christ and leaving it up to the work of the spirit and conviction in the heart and the mind. Um, so so if. We're talking about, you know, the responsibility of, of every believer to share the gospel and, and kind of uh, emphasize it's not just enough to invite them out to have like some professional give the gospel. Um, sometimes the way that's described is, is like a relational evangelism. It's the evangelism doesn't happen by big events or bringing people to a crowd, but it's you going out, you building relationships with the people you have and you sharing the gospel. Um, now, are, are there any potential pitfalls or dangers with that kind of a, a model, that kind of teaching for evangelism? Absolutely. I think uh, we could fall into the ditch of all relational and no evangelism. <laughs> so I think this is a bit of a generalization, but I think it's helpful to think in these terms. You know, um, I do think philosophically, this is where I'm at. This is where our church is at. Um, we teach relational evangelism. We say that's the pattern that we say in the book that we see in the book of Acts. Um, I think probably each of us has a proclivity either to the relational side, to the neglect of the actual explicit gospel witness, or a proclivity to the can be tactless explicit gospel witness with no relationship there, almost as if it's impersonal evangelism rather than personal evangelism. Um, so 
I guess those are some, some pitfalls. Those are some dangers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even the danger too, of, of acting as if you want the relationship and not really caring about the person it's, and, and the person can see that, right. They know yes. whether you care about them or whether yes. you're viewing them as a notch on your belt or that kind Absolutely. of a thing. And so you want to genuinely love and care for the person and genuinely love and care for them enough that you would also share the gospel with them. Absolutely. Right. So if you're going to be teaching evangelism, then what, what kinds of things would you emphasize if you're wanting to, to help Christians to, to be more effective and more faithful and biblically careful as they share the gospel? What kinds of things would you teach them? The first thing that comes to mind is simply the power of the word. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Um, evangelism is intimidating. Um it is discouraging. You know, so often we just feel like people are not responding. We're not seeing the kinds of responses that we want. That's disheartening. It's a demotivator for persevering and continuing in it. But we know that the word of God always accomplishes God's purpose and it never returns void. So if there was one thing that I could emphasize, one thing that I want to continually come back to, it is the power of the word. Also, it's just easy, you know, as ironic as it may sound, not to use the word in our evangelism. Um, you know, for that reason, we, we try to emphasize um, in our equipping and in our philosophy of evangelism at Inner City, using the Bible in evangelism, evangelism Bible studies in your redemptive relationships. Um, you know, but that's where the power to convert, the, the spirit working through the word. So trusting in the power of the word of God, whenever you share the gospel with somebody and maybe you even have opportunity to open up the Bible and read a verse or a passage of scripture, maybe you have one opportunity or repeated opportunities with the same individual, um, you are exposing them to the saving power of the word and the spirit. Uh, and though they may not respond in the moment, we don't know how God will use that in their life in times to come, you know, just trusting that the word really is the power of God unto salvation. And we need to do everything we can do to share it with the lost, to expose them to it. Uh, that is the one thing in teaching training that I want to emphasize over and over again. Um, the second thing would probably uh, just be motive. Um, if you're not motivated to do something, if, especially if it's something difficult and arduous, you're probably not going to do it <laughs> or you're not going to stick with it long. Right. So one thing when I, ha I have opportunity to do evangelism training with our interns or in Bible Institute or in our adult Bible fellowships or something, that's something I try to regularly come back to is motive. Um, motives being the glory of God, a love for Christ. You really want Christ to be worshiped. And the spirit has nurtured a desire in your heart, a zeal for the glory of Christ. Um, also just um, an overwhelming appreciation for what he has done for you. I mean, that could, that could tug on all of our heartstrings, right? Christ saved me when I was lost and completely undeserving, dead in trespasses and sins. And he took the wrath that I deserve. If that doesn't motivate me to share the gospel, then I need to check for a spiritual pulse. Um, but this is how you love your neighbor as yourself as well. The lost are in a desperate state. I, we just have to constantly be reminding ourselves of that in the pluralistic um, 
the dominant worldview in our culture. Um, it is true that the lost, those outside of Christ, are eternally condemned and have no hope, and they are in desperate need. So I have to be motivated to share the love of Christ in the gospel with them. Um, but yeah, that's another aspect of evangelism training I regularly return to is just to try to lay out the motives in scripture for why we share the lost, share the gospel with the lost. Uh, and, and when the spirit nurtures those motives in our heart, we are more likely to follow through. <laughs> yeah. I think it's so, important to, to remember that those aren't mutually exclusive motivations because right. sometimes people want to pit well, we don't do it because we love for the lost. We do it because of our zeal for God's glory. And it's, well, we do it for both. Right, both and. And, and we can't ignore uh, any of those, those motivations for us. Anything else that you would emphasize as you teach evangelism? Um, I guess I would just say there are lots of great tools out there. Um, you know, there are lots of great books on evangelism. Will Metzger's book is a great book. Um, there are lots of great evangelistic Bible study tools out there. One. I guess one ambition, one goal is for me in the church family, as we try to equip and train for evangelism, is for people to think more in terms of regular conversations, ideally Bible studies with redemptive relationships, lost people God has already put in our lives, people we are focusing time and attention on, talking about the gospel over and over again, trying to persuade, trying to convince. I do think by and large, at least this is most of what I've heard in similar churches and ministries growing up. When we think of evangelism, we think of one-off opportunities. I think every sermon illustration I've heard about evangelism happened on a plane, <laughs> or at least most of them. So that either means that we need to fly more often so we can evangelize, or we need to do evangelism off the plane. Um, but that most stories really did happen like, I met this guy, and we had a gospel conversation, and I hope he gets saved. Um, very rarely do you hear about people where they've been working on somebody for years. I mean, it happens, right? But it, I guess as far as what's highlighted in sermons, applications and things, it's been more rare for me. But I want, when I, you know, people, our church members, when they think of evangelism, I want them to think God has already put lost people in my life across my path daily, weekly. It's my responsibility to take the gospel message to them. And I'm going to do it with diligent pursuit, not just one-off conversations. Uh, but I'm really going to be intentional and purposeful about it. And some of that comes down to the, I don't want to be denigrating the you know, illustration of on a plane, but, but functionally, sometimes those are the only times that person has actually has contact with a lost person. Yeah, they're, they're, they're surrounded by Christians. So, so one of the things you want to emphasize is look for ways in which you can make some connections with people in your community, to connect with your neighbors, absolutely, to connect with your coworkers, to, to connect with people that you do interact with regularly as opposed to just randomly absolutely. on a plane. And that's, that's something that sometimes you, you have to almost work on a little bit if, it, if it's not already there. Yes, very good. I guess one other thing I thought of, um, if you want your heart to be stirred for evangelism, and we all need that, right? We all go through seasons of coldness and apathy being self-satisfied and content with where we're at in the Christian life, not motivated to share Christ with the lost. But if you want to get stirred up for evangelism or you're trying to look for a place to point others, I would say start in the gospel of Luke 
where we really get a sense of Jesus's personal ministry with sinners, with the lost, the outcasts of society. Luke chapter five, um, where he calls Levi. I think it's Luke seven, um, the sinful woman who enters the house of the Pharisee, especially Luke 15 with the parables of the lost. Um, if you want to be stirred up in your zeal for evangelism, I'd say that's a those are some great texts to start with and just ask the Lord to stir your heart with a love for the lost. Yeah. So if, if a pastor wants to, to begin to do this and implement this, how, how can he train these people? Should he set up a class? Should he set up some type of small group? Should he just give them books to read? Uh, how, how do you actually do this training yeah. and teaching for evangelism? Yeah, very good. So I, Obviously, that depends on your context. So in our context here, we have a Bible Institute and we've offered evangelism classes. That's a good place to start. Uh, we've done it in our ABF quasi Sunday school time slot where we've done seminars on training for redemptive relationships. I think it's great. Obviously, as pastors, we're always looking for ways to combine things and get multiple things done at the same time. So going through an evangelism book with a guy you know you need to connect with in the church and you just want to have a better more spiritually focused relationship with him that's a way you can get two things done at once um i think that's great or small group studies going through a book pick an evangelism book um, or you could use your time on sunday nights if you do like ministry training to focus on evangelism i do think you know, this is something we need to return to regularly. We can't just talk about this once a year or, you know, have a training time once every five years. I think we've got to cycle this in. Obviously, um, in your preaching, model evangelism in your preaching, and that's a way that you can train your people. And by modeling evangelism preaching, you mean presenting the gospel in a way that unbelievers would understand yes. it? And urging them to respond. To yes. It. And trying to anticipate, yes, you're making applications to a lost pe lost person who might be listening. You're trying to anticipate objections from lost people and answer those in your sermon. Um, you are choosing evangelistic texts um, that you're preaching through. Um, one thing I referenced that I could just explain, uh, broaden out just a little bit more is on a church-wide scale, we do evangelistic Bible studies on Wednesday nights. So we've just found that that's a um, accommodating way for us to engage in evangelism as a church family. It fits our schedule. It also seems to work with redemptive relationships and people that we've invited to come and participate over the years. And that accomplishes many things for us as a church family. It helps us engage in evangelism together and strive side by side for the gospel. So it's an opportunity for um for people in our church family to invite lost people and nurture those redemptive relationships also gives me an opportunity to train table leaders. So we do those as discussion based. We may have five or six groups going. So that's five or six leaders. That gives me an opportunity to train guys in evangelism and engage them in it throughout the course of the study. Six weeks, seven weeks, we run about three or four per year. Um, and it also, as, as I participate, gives me an opportunity to model evangelism and just to try to um, continue to teach and ingrain this pattern of behavior for the church family. So 
accomplishes many things all at the same time. We want to capitalize on our time, right? And I think additionally, it, it actually gets the members of our church involved in it. They're not just watching someone else present the gospel. They're talking about the gospel with unbelievers at their table. And, and then some other members of the church are sitting next to a member of the church who's leading the discussion and they're seeing how it works. And so that maybe, you know, one day down the road, they could be a table leader. And so you're training table leaders and they're modeling in front of other church members. And so it allows them to actually put it into practice. Yes. And we've had church members run it in the workplace after that. So they were exposed to it on Wednesday nights and then they took it to the workplace. Um, we've had efforts before where we asked the table leaders, it typically, you know, guys really like to do it. So we'll have guys lead a table and they'll, they'll do it in sequence for maybe a few years even, but then we've had them invite another church member to sit at their table with the intention of training them so that they'd be a leader next time. So it provides many equipping opportunities. And so if, if you are have an opportunity to talk to maybe a, a pastor who's very busy, they're involved in a lot of things, and they're thinking, how on earth am I going to, to find time to try to actually train people in my church to do evangelism? What, what would your encouragement be? What would be a place you'd say, start here? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's my ambition, and I would encourage other pastors in the same way, to at least have one redemptive relationship that I am nurturing week to week. Um, so by that, I mean, I am making intentional, regular contact with one lost person every week. We may actually be going through a Bible study. I may be more on the front end of the relationship where I'm trying to get to that point. Um, but it's my ambition to have one relationship like that in my life at any given time where once a week I'm devoting time to doing evangelism and modeling it. And I do think, you know, no matter how busy we get and how many things we have going on, that's so beneficial for our lives. We think of, about our own communication of the word and how we share the word with somebody. Uh, we think about having a heart for the lost and really caring about the plight of the lost. Um, God can just use that in our lives to nurture that burden. So I guess that's, that's how I'd advise somebody to say, you're never too busy to share the gospel, right? <laughs> and if you are, then you should quit something so that you can share the gospel. Um, so that benchmark for me is just a goal. I've got to do something in evangelism this week. I have to have one relationship that I'm, I'm trying to see the ball move forward. I'm praying that, um, that God would be at work in this person's life, hoping to be an instrument in his hands. That's one thing I would say, never too busy to evangelize. Uh, some of the other things we already talked about, about, you know, in your preaching, you're trying to make applications to the lost. You're trying to model evangelism in your preaching. Um, uh, that, that can accomplish a lot. Um, so... Good. And I think it's great, if I say it this way, if you're thinking, man, I need to train my people in evangelism, first stop and say, well, am I doing it myself? Because if I'm not doing it myself, I probably am not in the best position to be equipping others. So let me make sure I'm seeking to pursue that and then begin to, to hope to see that spread throughout the church. And that, that just jarred one more thing in my mind, something that came up. Uh, something that may be beneficial is using some of your study time to go to a place in which you can study, but also uh, potentially build relationships and interact with lost people. That, 
that works better for some than others. Some like a more quiet study environment, but some like to hang out at coffee shops, your favorite breakfast place or something like that. Um, so if you plan a regular time in which you're going to uh, spend time in a community space like that, study a passage, you might bring something lighter where, you know, you're not going to be frustrated by the interruptions, but you're purposefully putting yourself out there. You feel like I need to interact more with lost people. I want to be around lost people more often and have these kinds of opportunities. That may be a way that it fits into your busy schedule. Well, thank you very much, Peter, for joining us and encouraging us to, to be committed ourselves to evangelism and also in training those in our church. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to share it with someone else you think could benefit from this discussion. You can find out more about Theologically Driven or Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary at dbts.edu. We look forward to our next time together. Until then, keep seeking the Lord.